Hey, welcome back to the Digital Discussions Unfiltered podcast. We're now on episode two and during this episode I wanted to talk to you about how to work out your target audience. I think as small business owners this is something that a lot of people can put off and I've been there, I've done it myself so don't worry if that's you right now. If you've ever been to a marketing seminar, presentation, you know, you've downloaded one of those freebies from someone's email list, every marketer on the planet will tell you to get clear on this one thing first. You may have seen it in a variety of different names. You may have seen or heard of ideal customer avatar, ideal client, target audience. There are so many more but they all mean the same thing. And that is, who is your product or service for? Who are you talking to every time you write a social media post or a marketing email? Who, specifically? And I think this is why a lot of people try and dodge doing this task, because it can seem scary to have to choose, right? You just wanna sell as much as possible and make as much money as possible, right? That might be the case, but I have a bit of a truth bomb for you. If you try and talk to everyone, you're literally going to attract no one. Have you ever read an ad on Facebook and thought, oh my God, that is me. I need this thing. Even though before you saw that ad, you weren't even looking for that bloody thing. That's because the creator of that advert has got really, really specific on who their target audience is and now I'll probably reiterate this a few times during this episode but just to be really clear this is not you standing there saying I will not under any circumstances work with anybody who doesn't fit inside this bubble that I'm about to create you're not saying if somebody who doesn't fall into this group or this category bought a product from your website that you're going to refuse to send it to them, that you'd offer the, you'd just outright refund their money. Because that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? So let's flip that feeling, change that mindset. It's ridiculous to not know who you want to buy your products. And that's the point of this task. Generally speaking, if you were to Google, how do I find my target audience? They'll generally all tell you to think about the same things. There'll be worksheets and workbooks and downloads that tell you to think about things like your demographics, things like their age, their gender, where they live, are they married, are they not? What's their income like? What do they do for work? Where do they live? Is it in the city or in the country? It will then tell you to think about what we call their psychographics. This includes things like their interests, their personality, their online behaviours. You know, what, what do they read? What social media channels do they use? Where do they get their information from? Do they read news sites or blogs? Where do they shop? Do they spend their disposable income on clothes and nights out? Or do they spend it on skincare and online courses, you know, self-development? And don't get me wrong, these are all super important. But as I said, I think this is why a lot of people bypass this task. Because let's face it, sometimes we just don't know the answers to these questions. And... Some people would rather not guess and they'd like to have facts in front of them. So instead, they just don't do it. If that's you, that's totally fine. But I do think that you should have 
some kind of outlay of who you're targeting. So let's dive into it. Don't get me wrong, I think they're great tasks to do and once you're past that initial stage of not wanting to niche or for American listeners, niche, honestly, hate that word, then it's definitely something that you should revisit. But okay, for example, in every corporate job that I've worked in, we've had customer avatars and I may not remember all of the details, but I can sure as hell remember quite a bit. For example... Uh, The TV shopping channel that I used to work for, both of them, actually, they were direct competitors and strangely had the same customer avatars. But anyway, uh, we had a customer avatar and all that means in, in the simplest of terms is that we made up a fictional person based on a ton of research. So, for example, we had a customer called Jean. Jean was, I don't remember exactly, but for argument's sake... Let's say she was in her 60s, she was retired, she was married, and her husband still went out to work in a full-time job. And of course, this gave Jean a lot of time on her hands, and to an extent, a relatively high disposable income. So, you know, essentially, she was sat around spending her husband's wages, basically. (laughs) I'm kidding. But this made Jean the perfect customer for daytime TV shopping. But by creating this fictional person, this persona, it enabled us as a relatively big team to all be talking to the same person all the time. Regardless of if we were sending an email, we were writing a post for Facebook, writing an article in a magazine, we would, all right, probably most subconsciously, ask, is this right for Jean? Will it appeal to Jean? If the answer was no, we either didn't do it or we changed it so that it was appealing for Jean and that it was right for Jean. Can you see how that just simplifies things? And so everyone was singing off the same hymn sheet. And again, I think this is where, in my experience, many small business owners go, yeah, well, I don't just want to talk to one person. I want to sell it to anyone who will buy it. We're not thinking about that right now. We're thinking about who we're trying to talk to communicate with and solve their problems because at the end of the day yes you may want to work for yourself and run your own business and that's great but if you're trying to create a business that solves no one's problems or desires then you're going to struggle to make money. So I've put together a couple of questions that if you're struggling with the whole target audience thing then give these a go and let me know how you get on and If you're not and you think you've got your target nailed, then try these as well and let me know if it changes your perspective on anything or who you're targeting and how you're targeting them. So, question number one. What are your customers' problems? So, if you have any previous clients, think about it from their perspective. And I want you to jot down, let's say, up to ten problems that they have. And I'm talking generally Don't focus solely on your business and your products and your services. This is about them, not you. So in their day-to-day life, what problems and what challenges do they come up against? Now, if you feel like you're a bit stuck on that, why not think about putting together a quick survey or a questionnaire and sending that out? I did this a couple of weeks ago. It was eight questions. It was super simple. Were they the best questions? Mm, Probably not. I definitely thought of some better ones after I'd sent it out 
but I was able to post it in a few communities that I'm part of. And I got about 30 responses. Now, I know a few of you have probably just gone, oh, I could never do that. Brutally, you have to get used to a bit of humility. Did I feel like a bit of a knob posting, asking for people for their feedback? Yeah, I absolutely did, I'll be honest. Because I felt like I should already know these things. But honest truth, how could I if I didn't ask? I only know what I know and how I feel about things, not about how the rest of the world and everybody else feels about it. And actually, it was totally anonymous and everyone was absolutely lovely. And I couldn't even see who they were. But they were really in-depth answers. They helped me massively. And nine times out of ten, people just love to give their opinion. So please do not be scared to ask. And I'll tell you three reasons why it was stupidly beneficial for me. Number one, I got genuine answers to my questions that, in a roundabout way, were about my business. And not only that, but from people that could be my potential clients. We're not just talking about Susan from the end of the road's opinion here. We're talking about people that would actually be willing, potentially, to spend their money with you. Number two, I have 30 responses that are written in my potential customer's own words, which I can now use in my marketing materials because, you know, if you're trying to appeal and attract to a certain person, then what better way than to do it to talk to them in their own language, use words that they would use, because all of a sudden they can relate to you more. And number three, of the people that took the time to answer my eight, nine questions, it started a few conversations and I've started to build real relationships that I didn't have before that survey. And, you know, who knows what that grows into. So bearing in mind my ideal clients, I'm not going to give it all away right now, but you'll probably get the full picture near the end. But mine are generally like you, the, the small business owner. And so I thought it would be good to share a couple of the questions that I asked. So the first thing that I asked was, If you were looking for help with your digital marketing on Google, what would you search for? Now, why did I ask this? Because it gives me some exact keywords that people are actually going to search for. It's a great starting point for me, for my research, that I can then go on and embellish. Then I asked, what channels do you use to market your business? This tells me what they're already using and actually if they are my ideal clients and where they're hanging out. Next up, I asked what their top three struggles were when it came to marketing online. I literally asked them. I don't know what their challenges are, what their struggles are, unless they tell me. So I just asked. Some of them said knowledge and not knowing where to start. Some said content ideas, standing out, getting more engagement and getting people to convert. Then I asked them what they would like to learn about. They literally told me what I should be talking about and it's essentially given me a bit more clarity on what I should be posting about, what knowledge I should be sharing. Then I asked them something really important. I asked them what was holding them back and I'll be brutally honest, if this questionnaire hadn't been anonymous, I don't think I would have got some of the answers that I got. 95% of them I'd say said time some said money, some said confidence. So it's just giving me an insight into what their pain points are, where they're struggling and what's holding them back. Then I asked them how they prefer to learn. 
They literally told me in what format to create my content. And it's honestly, it's massively helped. Lastly, I asked if there was anyone in particular that they follow online for marketing advice, tips and tricks and that kind of thing. This gave me a chance to get an insight into my potential competitors, some of which I've never heard of before, some were the big players in the industry, and that's fine too, but it gave me an insight into who they're following and potentially what kind of content they like to consume. So can you see how they've basically outlined and given me the exact moves to make in my business next? Of course, I don't have to take it as gospel. I can just take it with a pinch of salt, but actually... What is better than hearing it from your ideal clients exactly what they want? Because this isn't about me and doing what I want. If I was a millionaire, I could go and do what I wanted to do every single day. But for me, I have to create products and services that people actually want to buy. Of course, there's a happy medium and a fine line. I'm not saying go and do the work that you absolutely hate. I'm sure we've all been there one point or another. But if you're looking for the next things in your business, then just ask. People will always give you their opinions and give you the answers. So question one is, what are their problems? Let's write down 10. Question number two, how does your business solve those problems? Now, don't get hung up on this because you obviously cannot solve all of their problems. But let's talk through some examples. So let's say you're a hairdresser. Your customer's problem may be that they haven't had a bloody haircut in nine weeks because of coronavirus and we're all in lockdown. They've got massive split ends and six-inch roots. You solve that problem eventually when we're allowed to open by cutting and dyeing their hair through the years of education and training that you've had. If you're a wedding cake maker, your ideal clients are those who are engaged, brides and grooms-to-be. You solve the problem of creating jaw-dropping, delicious cake that they can show off to their friends and family on what is meant to be the best day of their lives. And this is where I want to point out that once again, we're going to go a little bit deeper. If you know me in any way, then you'll know I'm a big fan of psychology. And I genuinely believe a lot of marketing tactics, methods and all of that is about psychology because... Question number three and four, we're going to look at how they feel about those problems and what are their goals? And I mean, what do they really want? Again, this is not about them wanting better looking hair or delicious cake. Think deeper. Not everyone dyes their hair. Not everyone gets their hair cut six to eight weeks. (laughs) Some do, but why? Is it because they care about their opinion? Does it represent status to them? Now, don't get me wrong, people are probably not going to want to tell you that, but when you start to think like that, all of a sudden, the way you talk and communicate to your customers, current and potential, becomes really, really easy. So, how do they feel about this problem? Well, probably not happy, you know? Lisa doesn't want to go back to work once lockdown's over, not until she's seen her hairdresser first anyway. That's what, you know, everyone's saying on Facebook. Why? Because she cares about her appearance. She probably cares a little bit too much about other people's opinions, but hey, we've all been there at some point. And then lastly, think about what they value. It's likely that if they value materialistic things 
and that is super important to them, then something like authenticity is probably not top of their list. Do they really question whether that picture on Instagram of that apparent millionaire who made his money selling £5 ebooks? Probably not, they're too busy looking at the Lamborghini that he sat on in the picture. Another perfect example for you. I launched an all-day workshop, Instagram workshop, that was due to go ahead literally the day before the Prime Minister told us that we should all stay at home. I was 100% gutted. I contacted each of the delegates individually and I put the ball in their court as to what they wanted to do. Did they want their money back? I was happy to do that. Or did they want me to move it online? I was happy I had all of my slides, I had all of the the workbooks and all that great stuff so that I could send them and we could do it virtually online. And all but one literally gave me the response to what they wanted and that was that they wanted to delay it. They wanted to wait until we were allowed to do the day as we'd planned and it wasn't until I'd spoken to each of them individually around why that was and the reasons behind that, that it became really clear that what was actually really important to them. We were just about to have the majority of all of our lives turned upside down. All of a sudden, parents were having to think about losing childcare and homeschooling and becoming teachers overnight, and it would seem impossible to have the headspace to complete this workshop. So, you know, they cared about accountability They were so self-aware to say, actually, Lorna, you know what? If you give me the work to do now and we do it online, I'm probably not going to do it. I need to be sat in front of you in that room to have you on hand to answer my questions and to get the work done and get the most out of, you know, the day that I've paid for. I won't lie, I I was a little bit shocked. But had that not have happened... Had I not have thought to even ask those questions, I never even know that accountability is super important to them. So once you've drilled down on these few things, this should give you a much broader target audience, yes, but a more specific target audience than you've probably got right now, which should as it has with my previous clients, give you a little bit less scary but clearer target audience. Of course, once you've done that, I would recommend you group these people together. You may say that, you know, let's say, for example, you're a craft business, your target audience are between 25 and 32 years old. They have an okay disposable income, whatever that means to people. They like nice things, they care massively about self-care and mental well-being and that, you know, should and probably will 100% impact the types of products that you release because, let's face it, what's going to appeal to that age group probably wouldn't appeal to, I don't know, let's say my or your mum, for example. Then you can start to work out the smaller bits and don't be scared to get this wrong because you really can't you absolutely can't there's no right or wrong answer you can then start to think about okay are they more likely to shop in Primark or Gucci what do they spend their time doing their hobbies and then even more granular than that what channels do they use are they the type to be more on Facebook or on Instagram now 
don't get me wrong, the majority of the time, your target audience will be on a lot of different channels. But this isn't just about that. It's also about the channel itself and the type of content that works best on that platform. Plus, it's about speaking to your target audience when they're in the right frame of mind. For example, if I was working with a greetings card designer, let's say, I would probably steer them to concentrating on social platforms such as Instagram and Pinterest, maybe Facebook, if they had the resource, and, or depending on the style of greetings cards and kind of the target age group, if you like, probably chuck in email marketing in there too. But it would seem pretty pointless to post, hey, buy my handmade cards on LinkedIn, because Although people that use LinkedIn probably buy greetings cards at some point, that's not necessarily what they're looking for or in that frame of mind whilst they're on LinkedIn. Now, don't get me wrong, if the same client, the greetings card designer, was looking for, let's say, investment or to get into some retailers, that's where LinkedIn would come into the mix. So it's very much around deciding the purpose or the end goal, as we spoke about in the last episode, and who your target audience is for that particular goal. Does that make sense? And so I think that's where I'll end the episode. That's it. I want to keep them short and to the point and get you out of this kind of overwhelmed state of not really knowing what to do. So that's it. Episode number two, done and dusted. Uh, I hope you found this episode helpful. I'd love it if you could give me some feedback. Did you like it? Not so much. Did you learn anything new? Are you going to change anything? Just let me know. I'd love to know. Feel free to pop me a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd massively appreciate it. And I'll speak to you in episode three, where we'll be talking about why your small business should have your own website. Something I think is really important And yeah, I just want to give my views on some of the reasons why I think you should and how to get that started. So take care and we'll speak really, really soon.